Hello, everyone, and welcome to our podcast. There are so many changing market relationships in U.S. crude these days that we're planning to look at the biggest changes as they arise in a series of podcasts that we're calling just the Crude Report. So uh, today we'd like to start with a look at what trade data and recent company quarterly earnings are telling us about the high sulfur crude market in the Gulf Coast. And specifically, we want to talk about the role of Canadian crude. So with me today are two Argus reporters, Alex Endress, based in Houston, and Brett Holmes, based in our office in Calgary. So Brett, maybe we could start with you. You've written a lot in the last several days about the big changes in trade volumes for Canadian crude at the Gulf Coast. Can you tell us what you're seeing and what it tells us about the role of Canadian crude at the Gulf Coast? Sure. Thanks, Jeff. So over the last couple of years, Canadian crude has become more and more important as Latin American crudes have sort of waned in production or had their own struggles that we all see in the news. Um, but what we saw just recently was uh, trade volume on our WCS Houston assessment way down. It's become quite a robust assessment, but we noticed it went way down in the month of May. Uh, it went to about 40,000 barrels per day traded in that assessment from a record 260,000 barrels per day in the April trade cycle. So uh, we wanted to dig a little deeper in that. So uh, it's important to note that the WCS Houston index is based on WCS, of course, and Cold Lake. So the big downturn of trade volume is on Cold Lake, which tends to be more sold, uh, sold more on a spot basis, while WCS is more termed. So we're also seeing that the number of participants active on the WCS and Cold Lake spot trade market in Houston are down. Number of buyers are down more dramatically than the number of sellers, indicating that indeed demand was decimated by the COVID fallout and falling refinery utilization. So this data tends to confirm what we're seeing, less WCS and Cold Lake crude getting to the U.S. Gulf Coast. Okay, so one indication that less is coming is just that we're seeing less trade. So Alex, let me uh, switch this to you. I think you've noticed some interesting fluctuations in the price of WCS at Houston versus the price of Maya, which is a very similar quality of crude. What are we learning from this uh, change in the relationship? Right. So WCS Houston averaged roughly $1.55 premium to Maya during the March calendar month, and the spread actually widened as WCS Houston averaged about $5.25 over Maya uh, during the April calendar month. And part of the reason seems to be that the Maya formula is based on sweet grades like WTI Houston and Brent. So the, we know the Mexican government adds a K factor, but only changes the K factor once a month. So WCS Houston, um, the daily price actually reacts more quickly to market fundamentals. And in this case, refiner demand in the Gulf Coast was more for heavy sour than for light sweets. So the sweet prices that made up the Maya formula got weaker relative to the actual trades for WCS Houston. So WCS Houston moved to a stronger premium over Maya. Another factor that tended to support WCS Houston um, has been the closed arbitrage between Hardesty and Houston. That closed ARB is discouraging Canadian barrels from coming to the coast. You know, there were days in recent weeks when the price of WCS at Hardesty was actually within $3 of the price at Houston. Uh, so since it costs about $8 a barrel to move WCS or Cold Lake from Western Canada to the Gulf Coast, 
there's really no incentive for Canadians to send the crude to the Gulf Coast. And so once that closed ARB came into the market, buyers and sellers in Houston realized there would be less uh, Cold Lake and WCS available. And so this propped up the price of what little spot barrels of Cold Lake and WCS were available to deliver in the Houston area in May. Okay, very good. Thanks, Alex. And that's a, a great lead in, Brett, to come back to you. Uh, Alex mentioned that the, the ARB is very tight between Hardesty and the Gulf Coast, and that's uh, in part because of cuts in Canadian crude production. Can you give us some some detail and maybe some color about what's what's happening in terms of production cuts in Western Canada? Sure, no problem, Jeff. Uh, so we're seeing about uh, 800,000 barrels of production cuts that have been announced by companies um, from a base of uh, almost 4 million barrels per day of total production in Alberta. So of that total production, um, less than 2 million is of the heavy variety. So if you're taking mostly 800,000 barrels per day of mostly heavy of uh, 2 million off, that's quite a quite a hit to the, to the heavy sour uh, complex. So naturally the prices have increased quite a bit here in here in Alberta, in Hardesty, they hit a record high just a week or two ago of uh, minus 370 underneath the basis uh, for June delivery. But uh, yeah, most cuts have come from the thermal production um, where you inject steam into wells. It's it's kind of complicated. A lot of the oil sands production is complicated in general. Um, and then you extract the bitumen after you steam it and blend it with a diluent to form dilbit or WCS or Cold Lake, what have you. And uh, this is uh, this contrasts to the mined oil sands, which is what exactly what the word says. Mined, it's closer to the surface, and you can take big trucks and you can literally mine it from the from just just a, a little bit underneath the surface, and then you upgrade it often at site, or you can ship it down, say in CNRL's case or Athabasca oil sands uh, projects case to the Scottford upgrader, and then it's upgraded and becomes light, sweet synthetic crude. Because it's upgraded, it's taken some impurities out. It has a higher distillate yield and therefore can command a higher margin. Uh, one good instance of this uh, contrast is CNRL, who posted their results just this last week, and they showed positive margins of about $20 per barrel and their light synthetic crude. Meanwhile, they barely broke even or, in fact, were negative on some other heavy crude production. So that actually connects a lot of dots. If the if the cutbacks are largely in thermal, that create the dill bits like uh, Cold Lake. That's one reason why we would expect less Cold Lake and WCS to be getting down to the Gulf Coast. Um, I tell you what, let let me follow up with one thing um, with you, Brett, and that is that in the United States, producers have been cutting back largely because they don't have access to storage. Um, what are the storage issues in Canada? Absolutely, there's it's a perpetual problem in in Canada, um, and yeah, it goes back to this lack of demand in the Gulf Coast, and it's backing up. And if there's not enough storage, there's some storage in Cushing, obviously for Canadian producers, but if it backs up even further, and there's not enough storage in Hardesty or Edmonton, it'll back up into the wellhead. So people are looking. Uh, their preference would be to not to sh not to shut in. So they're looking for other options for storage. So. Um, there has been limited options, of course, and uh, one interesting development on storage is at Enbridge just in the last couple of weeks. This is the largest pipeline company in Canada. Uh, they own the, the mainline system, which is about 3 million barrels per day of uh, export capacity out of Canada. 
they said they're going to store about 900,000 barrels of crude in an old, unused Canadian section of their Line 3 system. This system had carried uh, light crude from Western Canada to Superior, Wisconsin, but it's kind of been uh, shut in as they as they try to expand the system or replace the system, rather. Uh, so this is kind of idled. So it's kind of an interesting thing. People are looking at different options, uh, almost anywhere to put their crude these days, where uh, storage is storage is tight, and they and they prefer not to shut in if they don't have to. Well, thank you very much. And Alex, we're going to give you one more shot at the conversation here before we have to wrap up. An interesting thing about the Canadian crude is that it never went negative on April 20th when the NYMEX futures for May uh, went negative. Can you explain why that happened and you know how Canadian crude is priced on the market? Absolutely. So WCS is traded at a differential to the calendar month average NYMEX uh, futures price at Cushing. So without getting into too much detail, the price of Canadian crude for May delivery was priced at a differential to a combination of June and July NYMEX futures contract prices. Since the market has been in a steep contango, when May NYMEX futures went negative on April 20th, NYMEX and June July contract prices were still positive. Uh, and since the Canadian barrels for May delivery were pricing on a calendar month average of June and July NYMEX futures prices, the outright price for the Canadian grades never went negative. Okay, very good. And I, I will follow up with one last point with you, Alex. And that is that even though we've seen the volume of trade of WCS and Cold Lake at Houston fall off, we've actually seen pretty steady volumes of trade, very strong volumes of trade for WCS and Cold Lake at Cushing. Why do you think that's happening? Well, first, it tells us that there is actually greater optionality for delivery out of Cushing. So you can move a Canadian barrel from, from there into Ohio or Kentucky or Kansas, Missouri or a few other states. You can also move that barrel from Cushing to the coast if the spread widens, um, or several Canadian companies have leased storage at Cushing also. So there are more options there than at the Gulf Coast. And second, even though the volume of trade for WCS and Cold Lake at Houston is uh, down from its very strong levels just a month or two ago, the price of the Canadian grades at Houston is still holding firm. So as we mentioned, WCS Houston averaged a $5.25 premium to Maya and briefly moved to a premium to uh, much lighter Mars. And so U.S. Gulf Coast refiners still want the Canadian barrels, and there is every reason to believe that as U.S. Gulf Coast uh, refinery utilization recovers, so will the flow of Canadian barrels to the Gulf Coast, which is the natural clearing market for Canadian heavy crude. Okay, well, we are out of time. Thank you guys both for giving us this uh, background on Canadian crude at Cushing and at the Gulf Coast. We'll wrap it up here. Thanks to everybody for listening. And we hope to be back to you soon with another podcast highlighting a trend that's shaping U.S. Gulf Coast crude markets. Thanks a lot. 